Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. What I'd love us to do just as we continue just to pray before I start and to teach tonight um, as part of this uh, rhythm of intercessory prayer. The Bible is very clear in this, that what we are called to do as the church, as believers, as we practice this rhythm, as Grant has said, that we want to be those who engage with the kingdom of heaven. It is working in our lives each and every day. It is flowing through every minute and every second of our lives. And God wants us not just to engage with the kingdom, but wants the kingdom to come alive for other people. And this is why, as the church, part of our responsibility, the Bible is really clear, is that we watch and pray. We are a watchful people, and as we see certain things in the world that are happening in situations like this, we respond in prayer because we believe that this is what Jesus has called us to do as the church. He says, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in the heavens. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in the heavens. That's why tonight we've just loosed in the spirit abundance, supernatural abundance and provision upon the education system in this area. And I would love us, just before I begin to teach tonight, I would love us just to, to lift our eyes outwards a bit further. Um, if I've got a prayer that's written, uh, I would love us to pray it tonight just for one of our mission partners in church who just really need prayer. It's imminent at the moment. Um, in India, one of our partners there, Brad and Pam, who are working with uh, an unreached people group that we as a church here in Emmanuel over the years had adopted as part uh, within our hearts that we wanted to see the kingdom break out in the lives of this unreached people group. And, and what has happened happened over the last number of months is that um, the business that they were running, uh, all, all foreigners were put out of the, the country by the Indian government. Um, their visas were revoked, and as they've tried to apply for new businesses to, or for new visas to keep the business going, that allowed them to be positioned in the country so that they could build relationships intentionally with the people there. They've been told that they can't have that anymore. And, and so what, what it is for them, just in short for this, they now have an option just to be able to engage, to enter the country for six months at a time as tourists. Part of their thoughts is that they're going to position themselves in a country nearby so that they can do that. But we just really believe that this is a strategic move of God. And uh, we're just really believing that we will see God break out into the lives of these people in a way that we've never, for some of the guys where there's a bit of a there's a bit of an uncertainty about what the future holds. We know, my mom used to say this song all the time, I know who holds the future. And he guides me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. And so what I would love us to do is, uh, I've got a prayer on the screen. I would love us just to read this. This is a prayer. You you can stay seated where you are. But let's just pray this just in faith tonight, just over India and all that's happening there. And then with this, we are finished. But this is part of what it means for us. We're the church. So this is a prayer that we all say yes and amen to. These are prayers of faith. So let's Read this together like Grant. I'll say one, two, three. You ready? So let's go one, two, three. Father, we pray for India and the Gujarati Sheikh people. We thank you for the work that has begun over these last couple of years and the missionaries who have moved families to go and serve in that area. Tonight, we pray for Brad and Pam, their family, and the rest of the team as they wait on you for guidance on the next steps. We know that you are the God who closes doors that no one can open and opens doors that no one can shut. 
So in Jesus' name, we pray open doors for them to continue work with these people. We pray for the local church that you would raise them up to be the body of Christ in that area and to love their Muslim neighbors like you love them. While we recognize the work of the enemy and seeing missionaries evicted from the country, we believe you are all sovereign. And we ask that where you position the team in this next part of the journey would open up possibilities beyond what we could ever think, hope, or imagine. We pray the words of Joseph that what was meant for bad, you would turn for good, even the saving of many lives. So Jesus, tonight we simply pray for India and the Gujarati Sheikh people. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let me just start my timer. Good to see everyone out tonight uh, with us. Um, if you were here last week, um, as Grant was just trying to step out for you, we have started into this, what we are calling our Sunday evening series, 166, just where we've recognized there's 168 hours in a week. We spend an average two hours of them together in church. How do we use these two hours to allow us to prepare ourselves, to, to come together, to participate on these times as well, so that we're ready to step into the rest of the 166? Because we believe this, the kingdom is flowing through it all. So how do we engage with the kingdom right now so that we can engage with the kingdom the rest of the week as we go through it both in our own lives and in seeing the kingdom come in others' lives? One of the things just to say in this is that as, as we go through each of the Sunday nights, we're going to be leaving space for you to be able to hear from the Lord yourself. Uh, and one of the things we'd love to encourage rather than us handing out bits of paper and pen every single week to do this. I would really love to encourage you, obviously, to bring your Bibles, not just on Sunday nights and Sunday mornings as we go into our teaching series, but I would love us just to start, you can get really cheap journals, just books that you could bring, because what we are going to leave space in these gatherings for is the Lord to speak to you personally. And it's really great for you to be able to track with that and to journey with it. And so if you have one of these, I would love you just to really encourage you to bring it out to church every week with you. Whatever you sense the Lord is saying, scribble it down, write the date at it as we're leaving time at the end and in different sections. Take the time to do this rather than us giving you bits of paper that you put in your pocket and you lose somewhere else. It's great being able to track what the Lord is saying. So let's, let's get that. Not really going to take uh, time as such just to recap, but last week we just began what we're doing as part of this 166 in our evenings. We're going to just be looking at the Sermon on the Mount as part of our teaching over the next two to three months. So it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So again, this might be great if you had a Bible with you, just being able to just underline or different things that you feel the Lord's saying, just as we're going to be journeying in this. We're going to be taking a little section at a time and just asking God to speak into our lives. Last week, what I did was in an introduction to this, I simply looked at these first two verses. And the main thing that I was saying in this was, as we see at the beginning of this, it says, seeing the crowds, this is Jesus, he went up in the mountain. And, uh, and the thing that, probably my main point in this was that there was a difference when Jesus sees you as other people see you. Many people say that they feel that no one notices them. Some people think that they're not recognized or people don't really understand who they are. When Jesus sees you, he really sees you. The Bible says this, that he is a God who searches all hearts and all minds. He's all-knowing. And when Jesus stood before this crowd, the beginning of this passage in Matthew 5, Jesus, as it says, he sees him. He saw everything that was going on in their hearts, every situation, every circumstance that was presenting itself, the poverty, the grief that was there. He saw the religiosity in some of the hearts as well. And it was into this that Jesus began to speak. He brought them on a journey up the mountain. 
and he began to speak. I love, um, I love Tom Wright's uh, translation of this and his new translation of verse 2. And simply when he goes up the mountain, I love how he says this. He says, this is about Jesus. He took a deep breath and then began his teaching. He's seen into the hearts and lives of people. And it's like, a, all right, here we go. He starts to teach and speak into these people's lives. And what he does is that he starts to teach what we know as the Beatitudes. So if you've read the Gospel narratives before, you'll have read this many times as we're going to look at tonight. And I'm just going to unpack this just very briefly. I said to you last week, we're going to try and spend no more than about 25 minutes each of the Sunday nights just in our teaching so that we can leave space at the end for you personally to reflect and respond to this because that's actually the learning on it. The learning isn't about you sitting listening to me, talking, blabber on. This is about, right, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because that's the goal, right? And this is where it's going to lead you. So this is what Jesus, he takes a deep breath and he began his teaching. And this is what he says. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely in my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let, let me just pray, can I? Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for your words of life. And Holy Spirit, we just pray, would you speak to us right now? Speak to every heart, God. We're here. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, just two or three things just to pull out of this um, as, as we go through this. Again, this is a very well-known passage to many people, but there's a word that's used over and over and over and over and over again in this, and it's this word blessed or blessed, however you would pronounce it. And, and what we want to just look at is that there's a blessing that comes with the kingdom of God. As I said on Sunday nights, the main point of why we're structuring this is because we just want to just remind ourselves the kingdom is flowing at all parts of our lives and how we engage with it. The kingdom of heaven was the main message of Jesus' teaching. As he taught and everything he did, it was he wanted to make known the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And two chapters before the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus begins his teaching and says these words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus had come to declare this one fact. And this, for the Jews and for the people in the culture of that day, as they stood and they sat and listened to this, this was totally revolutionary for them. Jesus came and declared this message that the kingdom of heaven wasn't just about an, a happy afterlife of something to come in the future, even though that is an amazing truth and an amazing reality for all people who call themselves saved. Jesus came and declared this really, 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 really good news. The kingdom of heaven is present and can be experienced in our lives right now. When Jesus says in Matthew 3, repent, when he says this, he isn't just calling the people just to acknowledge sin and to acknowledge wrong in their lives and in a remorseful way to say sorry to God, even though that's a really important part of discipleship. Jesus, you've heard us teaching this before, Jesus, when he's talking about repent, it's this Greek word, metanoia, and it simply means to change the way you think. It is changing yourself to be able to start thinking in God's ways about everything. Because as we do that, the kingdom 
which is the most important thing that Jesus was trying to teach on, the kingdom becomes a present reality in our lives. As we start to think about the kingdom and start to invite the kingdom and start to ask what is the kingdom bringing, it starts to bring the present reality of the kingdom into our lives. That is why this is what Jesus declared. So in chapter 6, we will be looking at this in the teaching series. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says these words, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying this, as you seek and as you position yourself and as you allow God to encounter you and as you allow the kingdom to engage with your life, as you seek it first, there's stuff that will be added to your life. There's something that you will be receiving and you will be inheriting. And what is produced in our lives is this word that we've just looked at in the Beatitudes, this word blessed or blessed, however you pronounce it. This word blessed, it's, it's a word that we use so frequently in our everyday language. So like when someone sneezes, what do we say? Bless you. Well, God bless you, Jacqueline. Well done. Here. <laughs> we, say, we say bless you, don't we? And uh, Laura, sometimes, you know, if, if you're if feeling, you know, sympathy for someone, she'll say, oh, bless. Sometimes we can just use words like this so, so frequently. And so sometimes when we hear people saying, God bless you, or we say, praying for the God to bless someone, sometimes we can have a diminished view and understanding of what this word blessed really means in our lives. To be blessed by God and to experience his blessing is one of the most significant things we could ever experience in our lives. The word for blessed in this passage, it's another Greek word, it's this word makarios, and that's what it means. It means the highest type of well-being possible to human beings. Listen to this, the highest type of well-being. You know, you just want to know in your soul that it's well and within yourself that it's well. This is what this word makarios means. It's the highest sense of well-being. It's the Greek version of the word blessed. And it's, this is a Greek version. And it's something like just a short cry of joy deep within someone. I love what Scott McKnight in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this about this word makarios. He says, the happiness of the Beatitudes is not about feeling good, but about being good. And being good is defined by Jesus and shaped by one's relationship with God through him. Being blessed by Jesus may have nothing to do with one's observable condition in life and have everything to do with whether one loves God, loves self, and loves others as the self. That along with the behavior of that emerge out of that kind of love makes one blessed. I love that. It's, it's not to do about feeling good, but it's about being good, right? And this is the thing about this word blessed. When you experience the blessing of God, it's not a feeling that can just come and go, but it's that inner deep within yourself. There's this sense of just being settled and at one, a full peace and full blessing, even as we're going to see, this is what Jesus teaches. This is the good news. Even when life circumstances say that you shouldn't feel good and you shouldn't feel peace and you shouldn't feel settled and have a peaceful presence in your life, this is what this word, the blessing of the kingdom of heaven present in your life, releases. For, for me, I, I would probably like, and it's a story that I've told so many times, but it was, for me, it was just one of those transformation moments in my own discipleship journey when I was in Cuba. And, and in Cuba, the Christians there are persecuted, they have no education, they have no money because it's a communist country. And, uh, and I remember being in one of the churches, there was one person in the church who was homeless. He was almost like the bottom of the scrap heap within society and within culture. 
And I, and I remember that my, when, when I heard about his story, my, my prayer, I didn't actually pray this over him, but deep within myself, my prayer myself was, God, would you bless him? Because I'm looking at his life and thinking, this guy's got absolutely nothing. And I remember in church that Sunday, he stood up. They always had times of testimony. And at the end, he stood up and he declared these words. He says, I want to thank God because I have Jesus, I lack nothing. There was this reality of this word makarios. He was experiencing something of the blessing of the kingdom of heaven in his life that meant that his life was much richer than my life had ever been. I realized at this moment that there was something about God and his kingdom that I'd never once experienced. For me, it was almost like everything up to that point for me had just been head knowledge. This was someone who had come fully alive because the kingdom of God was present. The Macarius, the presence of the blessing of the kingdom was there, and you could see it. It was tangible. You could taste and see the goodness of God. And so what I would say is that while the disciplines are important and their time with the Lord is important, we need to be in the Word and we need to be praying. It's so important that it's never done out of duty, almost to try and earn favor. Because what happens is if we start to develop that mentality is that you miss out on the reality and the fact that you're already blessed because of the presence of God. It's not as if we're trying to earn it in any way. This is the good news of the Beatitudes. We can't earn the favor of God. It is just freely given to us. And this is why it is significant. It's a significant thing for us to just seek after the kingdom of God. It's a significant thing as well that we pray the blessing of God for people. To pray, God bless you, is a massive thing. What you're actually doing, so while we pray the blessing of God, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, and we pray the blessing, it's actually releasing this, the the reality of that inner peace and settledness upon circumstances and upon lives. That's what we're actually releasing. Something that the wisdom of man can't understand. We're releasing that. We're believing it to be released. That's why the priestly blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. We want to pray. It's a significant thing and it's something that you should be doing, praying the blessing of God over people's lives. But this, this is what Jesus is saying, right? With the kingdom of heaven, one of the things that happens as a result is we receive this blessing, this word makarios. But who, who is the blessing for? Because maybe you're sitting in the room tonight and you think to yourself, I couldn't possibly be blessed by God. I know what I've been doing in my life. God can't be happy with me. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you've never even been in a relationship with God. You think that God wouldn't want to be in a relationship with you. Maybe you think to yourself that you've got all you really need. You feel like you've got some sense of self-pride or religiosity about you. Tonight we need to know Jesus goes straight to the heart of this in the Beatitudes and he starts to speak into this. He lists people who are blessed that according to culture into which he was speaking, were not blessed, could not be blessed, but actually, according to the culture, were just being cursed by God for some reason. So the sick, the poor, people that were listed, according to the culture, they were experiencing these things because of some sin in their lives, right? So they were saying that this was the judgment of God. But yet Jesus proclaims this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and is available to all This is what he comes to say. For the religious people who were sitting around Jesus and listening to him, they thought this was heresy. Some of the people that Jesus was saying could be blessed by the kingdom of heaven, their sin could never have been. Jesus had come to turn the world upside down or or right side up. He's saying that everyone, even those considered the lowest rung of society's ladders, was welcome. And yet, probably the struggle that people have with this concept 
and with the Beatitudes, and this is an issue that just stems from society, is because we really struggle to grasp the understanding of grace, and that grace is free. Society tells you you can never get anything for free. Do you ever feel that way when someone offers you something for free, you're thinking, right, what's the catch? <laughs> do you ever notice that? It's always the first thought that comes to your head, right? What, where's the catch? Where, where do I have to sign up or commit to something? Where's the next? I know the first month's free, but then it's like £100 a month after that. What is it? What is the catch? Grace is free. And this is why sometimes there's, there was a difficulty even for some of the people. In Jesus' days, they sat and listened to it. There was a struggle in being able to understand it. It was a complete revolution in how we evaluate the goodness of God. We think that as we read this list, that the fact that Jesus is saying that there's a blessing for these people, that there has to be something good about their condition, that means that they're being blessed, and it's not it at all, right? Because sometimes people have read this in this way. Jesus is not saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they are poor in spirit. He's just saying that even for those who are poor in spirit, they can still be blessed, it's exactly the same as the rest of the list. We don't look at it and say that if I could somehow mourn or somehow be meek, that I will please God enough to earn his blessing. It's all about grace and the fact that the kingdom of heaven releases us in our lives. So the connection, here's the thing, here's the beauty of this. The connection between each condition and the blessing was Jesus and his kingdom. Poor in spirit are blessed. Why? Because of Jesus and his kingdom. Those who mourn are blessed because of Jesus and his kingdom. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are blessed, not because they have somehow hungered and thirsted enough after him to earn his favor, but simply because of Jesus and his kingdom. This is the blessing of the kingdom of God. Yet what can happen, I don't know about you, but sometimes it just seems that we can just bypass that mentality altogether. Do you ever feel sometimes it just so easily creeps into your life, you're thinking, oh, I need to do more. Have you ever felt that way? Yes? <laughs> Just me and Susie. You ever felt that way? And this, this mentality, and sometimes what happens is we, we live in a place of almost like it's, uh, we think we try to do this to earn God's favor or to earn his blessing. And it's not that we've created so much a mindset of salvation by works. I, I read this line and, and I loved it, but it's almost like we've created a salvation by attitude. We think that it's almost like if I think a certain way, God will be happy. And it so easily slips into our relationship with God, and yet it's not what the kingdom is ever about. As Jesus stood in the midst of this crowd, could you ever have imagined him saying anything like that to these people? That's not what he was here to say. If this is a list that Jesus was given on how to receive the kingdom, what on earth would it mean for the rich? What would it mean for the strong? What about people who aren't even on the list or aren't mentioned? Does that mean they're not in the kingdom? No, it's not about that at all. And throughout the years, probably even the mindset of some of the people tonight, we've been taught that Christians have to be these things or have to do certain things to earn the favor. What it can so easily do, and this is, the, this is the good news of this part, what it can so easily lead to is just guilt and condemnation in our lives. And this is the thing that just lifts that right off and says it's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. The blessing of the kingdom is that as you position yourself to receive more of the kingdom, you just experience that. It's not magically trying to formulate it up, but this is why 
We're saying that we want to use Sunday nights so that we can continue just to practice some of these rhythms in our life so that we can engage with the kingdom of heaven as it's at work each and every minute of the day that we can just step in and engage with what God is doing so that as we begin to just grow in these things, begin to experience all that the kingdom is bringing us, we start to receive that blessing. We start to live into the result of what it means for us. And so this is what it produces as we are people who just live into what the kingdom has. This is what the Beatitudes teach so in the last five minutes, this is what Jesus teaches, and this is really good stuff. Part of the result of the blessing of God, when you experience the goodness of God, for me, for me, when I, when I saw it in that guy's life, it wasn't as if I started to get legalistic and start to think, right, I need to read 30 chapters a day, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I just realized there was something good that he had experienced, and I wanted that goodness, and what happened is that as you experience the blessing of it, like I got to experience part of the blessing of the kingdom by watching this guy. Do you ever notice that you just feel blessed by being around people? Sometimes where you just see the kingdom at work. Imagine being that of someone who just carries the blessing of God with you because that's what it is for each and every one of us. But I, I experience some of the blessing. And what it creates within us as you experience the blessing of God and you experience the blessing of the kingdom, the first thing Jesus teaches is this. It develops hunger for more. When you taste and see that God is good, you want to taste a bit more. <laughs> you want to see a bit more. Do you, ever, do you ever feel that way sometimes about things in your life? And th th this is what it produces for us. This is what it, it, it allows to start to, to, to naturally cultivate just a hunger and a desire for, for more of God. We see it here with one of the conditions. Matthew references poor in spirit. Luke, in his reference to the Beatitudes, just says, blessed are the poor. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this is what Dallas Willard quotes is that. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt, the spiritual zeros, deprived and deficient. The spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion, when the kingdom of heaven comes upon them. What it's saying is just, when you just realize just your need of God, that's a good place to be. What it starts to develop within you is just there's a hunger for more when you realize, God, I'm nothing without you. One of the other things that's mentioned, actually, when it says, blessed are those who mourn, I'll look at the other uh, understanding of it in a second, but one of the things that happens with this idea of blessed are those who mourn, where it find its main root, and for a lot of the people who are listening on, particularly the Pharisees and the Sadducees, where it find its main root with this was in one of the prophecies that was given by the prophet Isaiah, it was given to the children of Israel. And it was given during a time of exile. It was in Isaiah 61. And this is the passage, do you know, so in the gospel narratives where Jesus stands in front of the, uh, the temple and he unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Do you know this part? And he starts to read this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus finishes at a certain point. And what comes straight after is this that we find in Isaiah 61. It says this, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. What Jesus was actually identifying was that when sometimes you are in exile, when there's a separation or a distance between yourself and God, and it somehow produces almost like this grief within you, actually it's part of the kingdom at work within you. There's a hunger for more. When you realize your need of God, and sometimes when you realize your distance from God, not because he has moved away, but sometimes because of what's happening in our own lives, it just produces this need and this cry out for more. It's the kingdom at work. 
you know what? When those things start to happen in your lives, don't try to quench them just to make yourself feel better or easier. Allow yourself to journey more into what the Holy Spirit is calling you into when there's a hunger for more. And Jesus even says this. He lists the other group, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you taste the goodness of God, man, you just want more. Another thing that it produces as well as a hunger for more of God is this, is righteousness or right living. So some of the other ones that are mentioned, three minutes left, let me go through this. Some of the other ones that are mentioned, pure in heart, make merciful peacemakers. Those things just don't happen naturally in society. Sure they don't. When the kingdom of God is present, what starts to happen, it starts, it starts to produce more and more of a purity in your heart. It starts to produce a meekness within you. It starts to allow you to be merciful because you've experienced it. It starts to allow you to live at peace with people because you've experienced this. Now freely you've received, now freely you can give. It's part of the result of the kingdom. And then finally, the thing I would just say in this, probably one of the main things that Jesus hits in this, is that when the kingdom of heaven is present, and all of that is the reason to go after, but for me, this is the big one. When the kingdom of heaven is present in your life, one of the things that it produces is just a supernatural release of peace. Grant, Grant said um, that the word that he felt God saying was, you know, he's in control. Sometimes there's people who be me in the room who are carrying fear. You see, when we don't focus on the thing that we feel is out of control, but we focus on the kingdom, what it releases in our life is supernatural peace. That means we can journey through whatever difficulty we're actually experiencing at that moment. There's a peace, and this is the peace that Paul said to the church in Philippi. He says, you know what? He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in all things of prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. And then, bang, here's what happens. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul actually says to Timothy. He says this to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. That word contentment is almost this place of settledness. We are just so settled in who you are. Regardless of what's going on around you, there's a peace, there's a settledness in your life. And so it's to this that Jesus starts to list people. And he says, so blessed are the poor, when like you're, you have a lack of resources and you have lack of what society tells you you really need to be happy in life, actually it doesn't really matter because there's this peace that is just released that means that actually you're carrying an abundance more than anyone could ever experience. It's the guy in Cuba. Because I've got Jesus, I lack nothing. For those who mourn, Jesus says this, you'll be comforted. You see, for those who mourn, it's not just people who have someone has died. Those who mourn could also be someone maybe who's experiencing grief because friends have walked out and abandoned them. A spouse has cheated on them. Their business has collapsed due to financial problems. The elderly couple who have lost their life savings. Even as you were to go through something like that, Jesus says, actually, you can still feel comfort. You can still feel a place of inner peace. See, this is the peace that's beyond understanding says this as well. Jesus talks about those who are persecuted, people who people are slandering you. Imagine going through situations like that, like people in work are saying all sort of things about you. Imagine being able to go through it and actually it's okay. That even as you go through some of these difficulties where it's financial, whether it's grief, whether it's words that people are saying, and all you really feel at that moment is blessed. Macarius, this is the presence of the kingdom of heaven.
And you see, this is why, this is why we just want to say, God, your kingdom come in our lives. Your will be done in our lives because when we allow and position ourselves for more of the kingdom of heaven, guys, this is the truth of the promise of God. This is what's released upon you, the blessing of God. So when we pray and release this, the Lord bless you and keep you. We just, we want to pray for more of that. And how you position yourself is so important as you daily listen to God and you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and not just people who hear what he says, but people who actually puts it into practice. God, so these are the two questions we're about to finish with. What are you saying to me? What will I do about it? Because we know that as we do that, it's actually opening ourselves up for more of the kingdom of heaven. And as we open ourselves up for more of the kingdom of heaven, we just live these lives of peace, these lives of blessing. And who, who doesn't want that? <laughs> We all want that, don't we? And tonight you need to know that if you don't know Jesus, this, this is for you. If you've never experienced this peace in your life before, it's for you. I'd say don't miss out. It's the most significant thing you could ever do is to be in this relationship with Jesus. And this is why, when this I am done, this is why Jesus said, it's the enemy who steals, kills, destroys, but his heart for you is that you would live a life to the full. He wants to fill your life. He wants to fill your life. And so how we do it is just by inviting more. What I'd love you to do, sit just in a f- two or three minutes of silence. Maybe as a band come up just to get ready. I would love us just to sit with these two questions. The Holy Spirit is speaking tonight. Sorry, I took 26 minutes, 30 seconds rather than 25 minutes. I'd love us to sit with these two questions and just ask, God, what are you saying to me? Each, each of the Sunday nights, we will be opening ourselves in different ways to invite the Holy Spirit to speak. But just even hearing this tonight about the blessing of God, maybe it's about how you're positioning your life. Maybe it's how you're thinking about certain circumstances that are causing fear that is actually stealing some of that peace and it's the enemy that's at work. And it might be different ways. I'm not going to put words of the Spirit into your mind tonight. I would just love you to sit and just ask these two questions just in silence, just for the next couple of minutes. And then I'm going to pray just before we go into worship. So why don't you close your eyes tonight? If you have a journal with you tonight, maybe you can start to scribble some of these down. But just ask this first question, what is God saying to me? And if you haven't, just sit and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. What is God saying to you? Come, Holy Spirit. Now what I love you just to finish, just asking, it's just the second question, what are you going to do about it? So you've, you've felt the Holy Spirit speak to you, 
could be one or two things. But practically, what does that mean? Try to step this out. What can you change? What can you put into practice this week in response to what he's saying? The Bible says this, don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of it. So practically, what does this mean? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to speak as you converse with him about and commit this to him? Father, thank you for your love for us. And Jesus, thank you that you came and you released this good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you that we get to experience it in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you enable us to be partakers in the kingdom. Jesus, thank you that this is what it means for us as part of our inheritance, of what it means to be in Christ. We get to experience your, your kingdom in all of its ways in our lives. God, I want to thank you, God, even in my own life, God, just for the blessing, God, of just experiencing it, God, these last number of weeks, God, just of knowing this peace and blessing. And, uh, and so I just want to say thank you. And God, I just pray, Lord, for all of us, God, even tonight, God, for, for myself, but for all of us, God, I just pray, Lord, whatever you're speaking, God, would you give us the boldness to say yes to it? And we just pray, God, this is our prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, just thank you for the blessing that you have for us. It's that that we say yes to. We just invite more of it, more of your presence, we pray. Be glorified now in our worship just as we finished and everything else we do the rest of this night. And God, I just pray, Lord, even in the rest of this 166, God, the rest of our time this week, God, allow us just to know your kingdom in increasing ways, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand our feet, can we? Let's worship just as we finish. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.